We owe a deep debt of gratitude to all of the families who have lost loved ones, who have been fighting and maintaining our freedom. Thank you. Our prayers need to be with those families always, but especially this weekend, especially tomorrow. Thankfully, our nation once a year, we should, it's supposed to be regularly, but at least once a year we stop, pause, and we reflect. And we also want to say thank you to the Daniels, as Daniel was up here a moment ago, to all of you that have or are serving or are retired in our armed forces. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your dedication. We bless you in the name of the Lord today. And we say <clears throat> we're better because, because of you. Uh, hey, family, this weekend uh, is the last weekend to get prepared, get ready for our R2R event. It's a citywide. Many churches will be represented there. Our church will be represented there. I'm looking for Gideon's 300, right? We want a strong representation. We have these uh, cool bandanas that will be given out to everybody, Team Trinity. So if you haven't signed up, do so, uh, or just show up, you know, whether you're going to run or walk or just show up to have fun. It's, uh, it's for a tremendous cause, and that's going to happen this next, uh, this coming Saturday. Well, we're in the book of Acts, and we are in the 16th chapter, and man, what a study this has been. You know, the 16th chapter of the book of Acts is kind of, uh, there are several openings, right? Uh, the chapter opens up with God calling Paul in a vision. A guy shows up to Paul the apostle and says, come over to Macedonia and help us. So God opens up a new way for the gospel to spread westward. And we talked about that several weeks ago. And then when they were in the Macedonian area, God opened the heart of a woman by the name of Lydia that, uh, where Paul ministered and preached to her and her heart was open. She received Yeshua. She received Jesus as Messiah. And she was saved. And then the text we're going to look at today, Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. If you were with us last week, it was because a demon-possessed girl that was a slave, she followed Paul and his team around, harassing them. Paul finally got fed up after many days, and he cast the evil spirit out of that poor soul. And she was set free. She could no longer tell fortunes. She could no longer make a profit for her masters. So Paul and Silas were thrown into prison, into the deepest, darkest part of a dungeon prison, and God opened the prison doors. So this is a chapter of openings. So we're going to read verses 20 through 26. So please, out of respect and esteem and love for God's Word, stand to your feet. And here we go. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praise, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every person fell off. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this miraculous account 
of what happened in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Thank you that you are the Lord and you change not, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whether it is a physical, emotional, or spiritual bondage, uh, whether it is a literal prison or an emotional, spiritual prison, God, you can open those doors supernaturally. You can set people free by your power, by the shed blood of Christ. So, Father, we pray and ask your divine blessing upon this message. May we have ears to hear and hearts to receive. I ask in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. you may be seated. Last week, we talked about how Paul was prayed up, fed up, and ended up getting locked up, but now he's getting freed up. And the reason he's getting freed up is because of the power of praise. Imagine, in the midst of this circumstance, Paul and Silas responded in, an, in a remarkable way. They responded by praying to God and praising God at midnight in a dungeon, backs bleeding, their feet locked up in stocks. That's how they chose to deal with it. And they didn't pray, and they didn't praise because they thought, hey, I remember reading a story in the Old Testament where two guys were locked up, and they started to pray and praise, and God sent an earthquake and set them free. Maybe the Lord will do that for us. That was probably the furthest thing from their mind. They simply did what came natural to them, what they knew that they should do in that situation because Jesus warned them. He warned them that they would suffer for his namesake, but count it joy, rejoice if you are granted the privilege of suffering on behalf of Christ. So, you know, maybe conversation went something like this. You know, Paul turned over to Silas, you know, and said, hey, how you doing, Silas? He said, oh, not too good, Paul. Man, my back is bleeding. It is, the pain is excruciating. I wish Dr. Luke was here, you know, with some of his healing balm, that stuff that he carries around with him. Yeah, that would be great, Paul said, right? That would be awesome. And Silas might have said, hey, Paul, you know, what do you think is going to happen? He said, I don't know, but I know God's in control, Silas. We're doing God's work, God's way, according to God's will, and he's with us. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. Yeah, I know, Paul. Maybe we should pray right now. That's a great idea. Silas, let's just start. Maybe, I don't know what they prayed, but maybe they prayed something like this. Lord, thank you that you said we're two or three are gathered in your name. There you are in the midst of them. You're right here with us, Lord Jesus. We welcome you here with us today in this dark, damp, dirty dungeon that we find ourselves in. Of course, they weren't harboring unforgiveness. They were following the teachings of Christ. And maybe they said something like this in their prayer. Uh, God, because uh, remember Paul, when he was Saul of Tarshish, he was there consenting to the death of Stephen, the first martyr, Christian martyr in the New Testament. And he heard Stephen's prayer. Maybe Paul said, he, he prayed what Stephen prayed, Lord, lay not against the jailer, lay not against the magistrate, lay not against the city officials this charge. Charge them not with this sin that they've committed against us. Because, Lord, it's really not against us. It's against you. They're not persecuting us as much as they're persecuting you. Get real. Do people really do that? Uh, yes. Yes. Sold out people to Christ. Yes. 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 That's exactly what they do. The Bible said at midnight, at the darkest hour, at the most inopportune time, Paul and Silas didn't moan, didn't groan, didn't complain, didn't say, hey, let's call our lawyer. We're going to file a lawsuit here. That came later. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> first things first. First things first. They prayed. They may have said, Lord, bless the jailer. Bless his family. Oh, this story ends good. We'll talk about that next week, Lord willing, right? They prayed. And then they said, you know what? Oh, I feel like praising God. <laughs> yeah, me, me too, Silas. 
Let's sing a song. Let's sing a hymn. Well, which one do you think we should sing? I don't know. Maybe the first one that came to their mind was, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Okay, Silas, you do, you, we'll do a duet. Your turn. That the Lord has made. Together now. We will rejoice, we will rejoice, and be glad in it, and be glad in it. Now, they didn't, they didn't do it like most Christians do today. Shh, not so loud, Paul. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to offend the jailer and the, shh. The other prisoners are trying to sleep. No, the Bible says they sang loud enough that all the prisoners were listening to them thinking, come on, church, right? (laughs) The other prisoners are probably thinking, who are these two holy rollers? (laughs) You know, who are these? I mean, God God bless the Baptists, but these probably weren't Baptists. Like, who are these Pentecostals, you know, singing at the top of their lungs in the middle of the night in a prison cell? It was Paul, and it was Silas. And lo and behold, as they were praying and as they were praising, God inhabits the praises of his people, and God showed up in that jailhouse and in the form of an earthquake and shook that place. The building didn't collapse, but every door flung open and every train on every prisoner, not just on Paul and Silas. How many know when we praise God, when we pray, when we praise, things happen Good things happen, not only for us, but for those that are around us, whether they know Jesus or not. That's why we need to be a praying people and a praising people. So I want to talk to you about the price of praise, the purpose of praise, and the power of praise. First of all, the price of praise. See, praising God isn't easy sometimes, and praising God isn't cheap. If you're going to dedicate your life To be a praiser of God, to praise God, it's going to cost you something, friend. It's going to cost you something. You know, in the body of Christ today, there's a lot of cheap praise and a lot of lazy worship. Thank God that Paul and Silas here, they give us an example of what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Let's read this out loud together. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You see, sometimes you may not feel like praising God. Sometimes, based on the circumstances that you may find yourself in, all of your natural senses and everyone around you is telling you you have a right to be angry. You have a right to, you know, to, to be in a bad mood, or you have a right to be sorrowful. But the Bible says that we're to continually offer the sacrifice, because sometimes praising God is a sacrifice. It's going to cost us something. In 2 Chronicles uh, chapter, or 2 Samuel 24, 24, David committed a sin. He had to offer up a sacrifice because uh, God's judgment was falling, so he went to a plain, to, uh, to a, a plot of ground, and the guy that owned the ground said, king, I'll give you the ground, I'll give you the ox, I'll give you the instruments. Here, it's yours. Offer your sacrifice. And David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, he said, I will not offer God anything that doesn't cost, that doesn't cost me anything. I will not offer to God an act of worship that doesn't personally cost me something. 
There's a price you and I have to pay. There's a price we must be willing to pay in order to praise God and offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. I looked at the word sacrifice. It's the, it's the Greek word through ia, through, through, excuse me, through sia, comes from the Greek word thuo, and it literally means to kill or to slaughter. So to offer up the sacrifice of praise, we have to kill something. We have to slaughter something. Many of you know my story. My father-in-law owns a ranch in the East Manzano Mountains, and every year he slaughters a cow or two. He, 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 has, he, does, he has his own meat, his own fresh meat. I don't know if you've ever killed an animal. I don't know if you've ever slaughtered an animal, but it is a gruesome, bloody mess, right? It's much easier going to McDonald's and ordering two cheeseburgers, and they give it to you wrapped up, and, and then you eat them, and they're real good, right? So to kill something And in the Old Testament, you had to offer a sacrifice to God. You see, for your sin, an innocent animal, poor animals in the Old Testament, an innocent animal had to be killed, had to be slaughtered, had to be sacrificed so that your sins could be forgiven. And 2,000 years ago, no animal had to die for us, nor could an angel die for us. God sent His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in human form, and He willingly became our sacrifice. He bled and He died on the cross for you and me so that we could go free so that our sins could be forgiven. If you don't have a reason to praise God every day for the rest of eternity, you and I have a reason to offer up the sacrifice of praise unto God, the fruit of our lips giving thanks for what God did for us when he sacrificed his son 2,000 years ago. So the Bible says we're to do this continually. Continually. Say that word with me. Continually. What does that mean? Continually. It means this, Psalm 34, 1. Read it with me. I will bless the Lord at all times, he said. His praise shall continually be in my... Beware. Pastor Carl, I don't sing doing praise and worship, but it's in my head. No, that don't cut it, friend. That's not my personality. It better become your personality, (laughs) right? I mean, it's not enough to have praise in your heart. It's not enough to have praise in your head. (laughs) That praise needs to be where? In your mouth. Just like vulgarity and cursing used to be in your mouth before you surrendered your tongue to Jesus. Amen. Can't even watch any. I can't even listen to podcasts anymore. It's like the, the most famous podcasts. Are they F word this, F word that, S word this, all these. I'm like, can't people talk in the English? What happened to the English language? Okay, I've gone from preaching to meddling. I don't know. (laughs) I guess if you want to have a, a, pretty soon there's going to be churches, preachers are going to be cussing. It seems what the public wants these days. It's crazy. But anyway, just like you used to cuss up a storm like a sailor, as they say, (laughs) Now you're saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. And now we need to make sure His praises fill our mouth continually. You imagine some people come to church and during praise and worship, their mouth is not even moving. I know it shocks me too. (laughs) Now, not in this service, but in a Saturday night crew, you ought to pray for them. The classic service I just came out of. <laughs> when I was there, I was talking about you, but now I'm here, so I'm talking about them, right? Right? I mean, we're, we're praise and worship. Now, if you're not a believer yet, like, no problemo, right? 
Like no shame, no judgment, no stones being cast your way. I'm just glad you're here. But if you have named the name of Christ and call yourself a Christian, it's not just these gifted men and women up here praising God. We are all part of the praise and worship team here at Trinity Church. Amen. <laughs> praise Him when? At all times. Good times, bad times. Valley times, mountain peak times. <laughs> when the car doesn't start in the morning and you're already late for work, praise God at all times. When you get pulled over for speeding, thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that these police officers are doing their job. They should be arresting robbers and thieves, but thank God they're pulling speeding people over that are only going five miles over the speed limit. <laughs> and when he walks up, say, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. May God bless you for doing your job today. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When your assistant tells you the FBI is on line one, the DA is on line two, and the local news is on line three, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When your friends send your wife sympathy cards on your anniversary, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. See, I made you laugh and I didn't cuss. <laughs> when a black cat crosses your path and drops dead before you, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. There's a song we're going to sing at the end of service because some of you need practice. You need to practice your praise. And one of the verses in this song, it says, Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Let us offer up praise will cost you something. The price of praise, when you don't feel like it, you're to offer up that sacrifice of praise. You see, we don't sing because we're happy. No, no, no. We're happy because we sing. William James is, the, is known as the modern, is, is the founding father of modern psychology. If you've had any psychology classes, you will have to read after William James. He was about 80 to 100 years ahead of his time. He famously said, if you want equality, act as if you already have it. If you want equality, act as though you already have it. If you want a certain virtue, a certain characteristic, if you want something in your life, act as though you already have it. And here's what revolutionized the, the, the world of psychology. He actually be believed behavior influences feeling. It's not feeling that influences behavior. If you're not feeling something, start acting out. If you're sad, act like you're joyful, and guess what? The feeling of joy will follow you. If you lack integrity and you want integrity, who are the people you know in your life that are people of integrity? Start doing what they do. You see, it's not the power of positive thinking as much as it is the power of positive doing. It's the power of positive action. If you're not that healthy, start acting like you are healthy. How do pe healthy people around you act? What do healthy people around you do? Start doing what they do. Start acting as though you're healthy, and next thing you know, faith without words is dead. You have to believe you have it before you get it. And if you do, you see, it's a spiritual principle. Wait, this is Memorial Weekend. I'm supposed to have a vacation weekend sermon today. How many know there are no, there are no days off when you're preaching? Amen, right? <laughs> there's, no, there's no Memorial Weekend sermon. Kind of 
Let it go a little low under the radar, Pastor Carl. Nope. We're going to give it full throttle. Amen. I mean, you know what? Sometimes you have to offer up the sacrifice of preaching. (laughs) Right? Are the people getting it? I don't know, but I'm getting it. The angels are getting it. As long as one person's getting it, amen. Praise is going to cost you something. It doesn't come cheap and doesn't come easy. There's too much cheap praise, and la- cheap praise and lazy worship in the body of Christ today. We don't want a church full of people. We want a people full of God. We want a church full of worshipers of God. There's a price to praise. Number two, the purpose of praise. What's the purpose of praise? Did Paul and Silas praise God so they could get set free? That was probably the, the last thing in their mind. They did it because that just came natural to them. They did it because that was right, and they did it in the worst of circumstances. At the most inopportune time, at midnight, they weren't fearful. They weren't fretting. How do you defeat a man or a woman like that? In the midst of a situation or a circumstance like that, they choose to turn to God. They choose to see the good in the midst of the bad. Because they understood, number two, the purpose of praise. Look at uh, Revelation 4.11. This is old King James. Let's read it out loud together. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, all things were created, not for our pleasure, but for God's pleasure. You were created, formed, fearfully and wonderfully made, set apart in your mother's womb. For what purpose? to bring glory to God, to bring pleasure to God. You know, in the Old Testament, when they would offer up a sacrifice, something would be killed, and then they would burn it. And the scent, the aroma, would go towards heaven, and it represented the sins of the people being forgiven now. It represented their praise and adoration of God's holiness and God's justice and God's mercy. And it says this on many occasions, that God received it as a sweet smelling savor, a sweet-smelling aroma up to God. In 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says that we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ, that our life is like a, our worship to God is like a pleasing aroma to God. When our worship is genuine and sincere and from our heart, yet there was a time in the Old Testament that God said, you stink to his people. He's like, you guys really stink to me. Look at Amos 5.21. This is God talking. Strong words, I know. I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. He said, basically, your worship these days is making me sick. I'm not even going to show up anymore. Hey, when God doesn't show up to church, you know you're in trouble. That church is in trouble, right? He's like, it's all fake it's all fabricated. It's all shallow. Your lips, you know, your lips might be moving, but your heart, you worship me with your lips, as Isaiah said, but your heart is far from me. God deserves our genuine, authentic, passionate, and heartfelt praise and worship because when we do, it's like a sweet-smelling savor. You know, there's some things that make God sick. You know, Jesus, at times, Jesus can throw up. Yeah, I didn't say that. In Revelation 3.16, he said, if you, I wish you were either hot or cold because you're lukewarm. You make me want to vomit. <laughs> That's really what it says. You make, I, I'll spit you out of my mouth. How many know we don't want to give Jesus indigestion? How many know we don't want, we don't want, to, we don't want to give Jesus a sick, a, sick, uh, a sick stomach, right? 
We want our praise to be genuine, real, and authentic. That's the purpose. That's why we were created. But let me ask you something. What's the difference between praise and worship? Is there a difference? Yes. So praise is declarative. Praise is something that we declare about God, about who He is, or about what He has done. It is expressing love and gratitude to God. There are two different Greek words for the word praise, and it means just like if you if you praise your wife or you praise your husband, ladies, or, you know, you, you praise your kids, not in an act of worship, but by affirming and acknowledging them, uh, it, denotes, it denotes value on that person, right? People in our society today, they, they praise an entertainer or they praise a movie star or they praise an athlete. Well, when we praise God, we are applauding, acclaiming, uh, declaring our approval in our, and that He is worthy of our praise, Praise comes from a Latin word, get this, that means price, and from an old French word that means prize. So when we praise God, we are placing a value upon Him, and we are attaching that value upon Him because He is our greatest prize that we have in our lives. So anything you praise increases in value. Anything you complain about decreases in value. That's why we need to say good things about our marriage and good things about our spouse and good things about our country and good things about our church. We don't need to complain. We need to praise because what you praise increases in value and what you complain about decreases in value. Now, worship, if praise is declarative, worship is transformative. It's what transforms. You see, a person is always transformed into the image or into the object that is worshipped. That's why the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable, and which is your reasonable form of worship. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You might prove that the good acceptable perfect will of God. That's Romans 12, 1 through 3. So in that, Paul says, it is your duty. It is not unreasonable worship. It is your reasonable worship to offer up your body as a living sacrifice. See, if we're going to worship God, something has to die. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your anger. Maybe it's self. Something has to be placed on the altar so that we could give God the glory that's due His name and we can worship Him. Jesus said the Father seeks such worshipers that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. God wants us to be genuine, passionate, and authentic in our expression of worship. So I looked at the word worship in the Greek. It's the Greek word proskuneo, proskuneo, and here's what it means. Here's how it was used in the Greek world in the time of Christ. It means to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand. What an image of love and adoration. It's like the woman that barged into Jesus when he was having a meal, and she cried upon his feet, and with her hair she washed, she dried his feet with her tears. She washed his feet. She couldn't stop kissing his feet. That is a demonstration of what it means to be a worshiper of God. We come and we praise Him. We declare His goodness and His mercy, and we, our heart connects with His heart. Our spirit connects with His spirit, and we worship Him. We proclaim through our praise to God a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude for His inestimable worth, worthiness, and hence, worth-ship. 
because he is so valuable. And finally, the power of praise. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up at this time. The power of praise. There was a moment, many moments, in the life of King David. He was a worshiper of God. Where he was surrounded by enemies and didn't know if he would make it to the, to the end of the day. But God always delivered him. In one such situation in Psalm 32, he says, It's as though the dams of hell have broken loose all around me, yet God has rescued me and delivered me safely to higher ground. And then he says in verse 7, look at verse 7, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. Surround me with, surrounded by enemies, natural enemies. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. More importantly, surrounded by songs of deliverance. Praise is a spiritual weapon that disarms the forces of darkness in our lives. Remember 2 Chronicles 20? Israel was outgunned, outmanned, outmatched. God said, here's how you're going to defeat the enemy. Send the Levites, send the worship team out in front into battle. Could you imagine the scene that day? <laughs> the enemy sees these crazy Jews, Hebrews. All the worshipers are out singing to the Lord, you know. His mercy endures forever. And then all of a sudden, supernaturally, God intervened and defeated every natural enemy that day. The battle was won because the Lord fought on their behalf. When you and I choose to pray, God and worship God, it disarms the powers of darkness. And may we be reminded, you and I only have as much faith as we're able to display in adversity. Proverbs says, if you falter in the day of adversity, how small your strength is. Paul and Silas, they could praise in prison. How come we can't praise in church? Or how come we can't praise at home? Or how come we can't praise in the difficult circumstances of life that sometimes we find ourselves in? Their dungeon became their chapel. It became a stairway to heaven. It became a gateway to heaven. And right there at midnight, in the middle of that dark, damp, dungeon that they were in, their backs bleeding in their feet in stocks, all of a sudden there was a stairway to heaven, there was a ladder to heaven, and angels were ascending and descending, and God's presence, as they began to pray, and as they began to praise, God's presence invaded that jail, and the earthquake was sent by God, and they were delivered and set free, and walked out free men by the power of God's miraculous deliverance. And I am the Lord God, and I change not, the Bible says. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, time to practice. Be doers of the Word. Stand to your feet. We're going to sing this song. I want every mouth moving. I want air pumping through your lungs. I want your tongue. I want you articulating these words. Where the ushers have been instructed to throw wet jello all over you. I'm just warning you in advance. Here we go, church. Here we go. Come on. Let's praise our way to healing. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where your streams of Here we go, church. Blessed be your name. Let's bless him at all times, the sacrifice of praise. And blessed be your name on the road on 
Oh, yes. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. We bless you today, God. In the house of God, we praise you. Open the prison doors. May the chains fall. The emotional and spiritual chains of darkness, may they fall. May depression go. May healing come. May joy come. May your power come in Jesus' name. Fill us, Lord, with your mighty Holy Spirit afresh and anew. May the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow and function once again freely. Have your way, almighty God, in our midst. We offer up the sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, all with all that you've got, church. From the heart, blessed be your name. Oh, we glorify you today, God. Blessed be your name. The name that's above every name. There's no God like our God. There's no rock like our rock. There's no Lord like our Lord. Woo, come on, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him in the house of God. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Whom the Lord has delivered and whom the Lord has set free. Father, we thank you for your mighty power. We thank you that we praise you not to get something from you. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for your holiness, for your character. We praise you that your mercies are new every day. We praise you that you promise to never leave us nor forsake us. In the midst of the worst circumstance or situation, we will offer up that sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips giving thanks, and we thank you today, God for your promises and for who you are, for your Son and for the blessed Holy Spirit, for all that's afforded us and all that's been given us in Christ. May we offer up ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable form of worship. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you want heaven to be your eternal home, if you want your sins forgiven, if you want your name written in the Lamb's book of life, if you want the assurance that heaven will be your eternal home, then you must invite Christ to come into your life and to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. 
I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud the rest of us. Say it with your mouth, mean it from your own heart. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive His love, His grace, and His forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my Father, and I am your child. I ask you now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. I will offer up the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of my lips, giving thanks always for who Jesus is, for what Jesus has done, and for what he's yet to do. In his name I pray, amen and amen. Let's thank the Lord together. Can we do that?